Indeed, yeah. yes. Wailing on guitar. Hot licks. Thank we, you. We have hot licks to serve here at Lake Trees Walking. Welcome to, if you're paying attention, episode 103. That's right, because uh, the pilot is not included in the numbering sequence uh, in a professional operation such as this. That's right, and we are professionals. I am Mike Nelson, and with me is... Pastor Reverend... David the right, Berge, the, the right, right reverend, the rightest reverend that you will ever be, the master disaster pastor with the blaster drinking the shasta. <laughs> Bad boy, Dave Berg. Yep, yep, I'm bringing it to you in your face, raw. So, yep. Uh, well, if if you've been paying attention uh, all the way along, then you also know that uh, this podcast is attempting to answer the biggest questions in life or at least think about them and talk about them from a Christian perspective. That's right. We like to call it a podcast on theology, philosophy, and postmodern culture, or within our postmodern culture. That is correct. That's your elevator pitch? That's my elevator pitch. And what we mean by, especially the postmodern culture thing, is another podcast. Okay, let's role play it. I'm in an elevator. Yes, yeah. I am uh, from uh, Podcast Co., Mm -hmm. which is the billion-dollar podcast headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. And you happen to notice that I'm there on the elevator, and I'm looking at my phone, and you have, just until we get to the 10th floor, go! Well, the first thing that I do is I hit every single button so that I know Ah. I have plenty of time, so my elevator pitch can be like 10 minutes long. No, I'm trapped. So I've trapped in the elevator, Uh, but I just just tell you that... um, what is maybe missing from uh, our conversation in contemporary yes. 21st century American culture, sir, is a yes. an in- intelligent, impassioned, uh, mm. funny, mm-hmm. winsome voices regarding mm-hmm. the big important questions of life and of faith. I Why are we see. here? What are we doing here? Uh, uh, is there a God? What does he even care? What does he have to do with me? Uh, please, sir, just let me record yeah. a podcast for Young you. Young man. Yes. I like the cut of your jib. I want you on my team. <laughs> yes. Here's five billion dollars. I find that usually being really frantic, uh, usually people just kind of give you what you want. Yeah, they really like that, that flop sweat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, I got to make one more sale. Old Gil needs one more sale. <laughs> wow. Well, we opened up with a one-act play, yep. but we should probably get to the, the meat of the stuff, so I'll give a little rundown of what Let we us. have. We are going to talk about a, a big topic and a, kind of a scary one, I think, oh. for all of us, but scary in a good way, in a really good way. Uh, but before that, um, we, we have kind of a, a little bit of a tragedy brought to our attention. I'll get to that in a second. I do want to say we have a new department here. And these, these things are related. The, Mike's, what's a department? A department is just... <laughs> Okay, now I've got the flop sweat. Well, sir, <laughs> give me your elevator. Departments pitch. are departments are these things that you do on a regular basis that hopefully people grow to become accustomed to and enjoy hearing new versions of them. Right, sir? exactly. Like for you know people who watched the Late Show with David Letterman, he had stupid human tricks or or pet tricks or was it? I believe the top ten. I believe lasted for yeah. He took that through every yep. So uh, top thing. ten. Which I think was invented by his former girlfriend, Meryl Marco. Oh, wow. Who then had to sell it. I, I, if, I've been wrong about things okay. in the past, so I'm not going to. And besides, that's, that's trivia. Yeah. And it's not. But it's like one yet. of those things, like a regularly occurring segment. Some people call them segments. We call them departments because that's more inside. Uh, yes. Insider and so there's language. a new department coming up, which I'm going to unveil later. I, I'm teasing with that. Um, but I do want to talk about the departure, at least in this episode, of. Uh, a former department, 
And that is the lightning round. I'm, uh, what happened to the lightning round? Well, I thought every I, episode was basically was just going to be a lightning round. It was just killing time yep. until the lightning round. Yeah. Lightning round was our game that we invented where it was uh, questions that were nothing but a lightning round. So it was the pressure was on from the start. Yeah, there usually was no it, it, exclusively on with, me, let's just yeah, be yeah, quite that is clear. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. However, I found someone who is the master of lightning rounds. Who is that, Mike? Uh, a man named uh, Jim Kramer. I looked around for a new theme, and I ran across something, and I want to play it for you right now. Here's the here's the master of lightning rounds. Let's see what and, Jim and Kramer. the master of understatement too. Let's <laughs> just, this is, let's this makes my uh, little attempt to be an FM DJ that little parody theme. This makes it look it leaves it completely in the dirt. So let's listen to that right now. All right. It is time. It's time for the lightning round, man. Mike. Now, you generally, this is, you know, this is generally my favorite part of the day. But today's lightning round is extra special because it's Mad Money's one-year anniversary. By now, you all know the drill. Take your calls, rapid fire. You say the name, start doing my saying. I do it. He's selling micro machines. I can't. When you hear the sound, we keep playing because this, my friends, is Kramerica. Ooh, Kramerica. He stole that from, uh, I think Kramerica Enterprises was what Kramer had on oh, Seinfeld, yeah, he and he had an intern. It. He totally stole that bit. But hearing that, doesn't that, I mean, that makes me feel like a piker. It makes me feel like a lazy bones. Oh, and, he, and what you were totally missing was the bu- the buzzer noise, where it's like, it's time for the next, qu- you know, it's time for the next question. And that insane babbling in the middle really <laughs> got me <laughs> He was scanning, speaking in tongues. It was... So, anyway, wow. just for the week in... Uh, in memory of uh, Jim Cramer, or just, I guess, in, in just sort of bowing to him. Yeah, We're just going to leave the lightning round behind for now, and we have a new department. But before we get to that, we have serious work to do, uh, yep. and we have a topic to discuss. And again, it's sort of a general topic. It's out there, I think, in the, in the thought of the world, the secular world, where it meets up with the religious world. And that is, how in the world can you ask me to be a Christian when... Uh, there's, it's just something so shameful about it. Christians are not looked on as being very enlightened. They're not looked on as being very with it. They're looked on as being, ew, almost. It's it's like a it's it's like a weird thing to be. Um, I mean, in some sense, you know, like it, like you can say, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian. But there's usually like you sort of need an extra apology to go after yeah, that yeah. statement to just make clear that I'm a Christian, but I'm not like one of those right. Christians, whatever whatever that might mean. Like I'm not one of those ones. Right, right, and that's a general sense. If you're at the office, you're at the you're at work with a bunch of guys, whatever. You just don't say, you just don't talk the way that Christians talk because it's embarrassing. It is. There's maybe a sense that people get like they they start you know fidgeting fidgeting with their papers or their coffee cup because they're worried that you're gonna you know start talking to them about Jesus or you know something like that. Like that that whatever there's a fear, and this is maybe more in the mind of the Christian than. Uh, you know, I don't know. This is maybe up for debate if it's more in the mind of the Christian or if this is 
it's really loaded with much as much freight and baggage as we think it is, or maybe we're just more afraid of it. But that, like, when you start talking about being a Christian or you self-identify as that, that immediately that person, your your person you're having a conversation with, your interlocutor, is going to immediately picture whatever their worst stereotyped version of a televangelist is, or you know, like that. That's that that statement conjures that in their mind immediately. Yeah, but going back to what you said, I have a friend who claims that this is true, that you can get away with saying, especially in certain circles of saying like you're a Christian and people will just, maybe just to be kind to you, they'll fill in all those other things like, well, he's probably one of the good ones. Yeah. You know, like he's yeah. not going to, he's not going to proselytize me and he's not going to hassle me. And he believes pretty much what I believe, but he's layered on this little <laughs> Christian thing on top of it. And so he's fine. But so his separation is to when someone says I'm I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then it's time. <laughs> then everyone gets the squirms and goes, "Ooh, that is creepy or weird or shit. you know what I mean?" Oh, like, Mike, that, you're you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm a pastor by saying that you're a follower of Jesus. So why is yeah? So Christian, I mean, is a you know there's a, a how whatever large percentage of the U.S. population would self-identify as Christian. You know, it's sort of a cultural label um in in certain you know i think in the south so you know in the southern part of the united states like yeah like there's not a lot of baggage that comes with saying you're christian you know find yourself in in one of our urban uh, centers or uh, our you know power intellectual business power centers of our country it gets a little more like wearing that one as like a front badge of identity gets a little more like you've ventured into um you have like six fingers on one of your hands kind of a territory, you know, like, like we notice it and, and it's okay. It's there. Just please don't talk about it too much. And let's yeah, not right. draw it, attention. It's almost exactly like someone would say, you know, would bring that up. Like, uh, you know, well, I play, I, I don't want to be in the locker room with that guy. Cause he does, he's got webbed feet or something, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really affect much, but it's kind of, ah, it just kind of skeeves me out. So first of all, what do you say to someone who, you know, they maybe they're attracted to the ideas. Maybe they actually believe some of the tenets of, of Christianity, but that's like keeping them back. What would you say to that person, and, and how do you deal with that? I think that uh, there's no escaping some of the reality that comes with being a Christian uh, and being a follower of Jesus Christ. Like this being a primary aspect of your identity, the most important aspect of your identity is your, uh, you know, your relationship with the God of the universe through the person of Jesus Christ, like, like having that be at the core of who you are does make you kind of a weird person. <laughs> like true. that's unavoidable because, um, that's not for the vast majority of people. That's not a central aspect of their identity. And so, um, it's going to be something that's idiosyncratic about you. And just at the front end, you really need to own it. Um, that's okay because, uh, uh, there's an aspect of just, you're weird. You stand out because of that. You know, there's this wonderful quote from uh, 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 Romans, the book of Romans, the very beginning of Paul's great letter there, you know, where he says, uh, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And so Paul, who's writing this letter to Rome, the church at Rome, which at that point is like, you know, at most a few hundred people, I mean, maybe even not a few hundred people meeting in house churches. They are nobodies in the heart of the political, you know, the political center of the world, the power center of the world. And Paul is bringing this message that Jesus is Lord 
And there's a guy in Rome named Caesar who everyone else is hailing as Lord. And Paul's saying, like, I am coming with this message. You believe this. This crucified, uh, you know, uh, Jew from Judea is the Lord of the universe. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not embarrassed of that. And, and historically, there would be, of course, a lot of shame attached to it, correct? Because of, I mean, who was Jesus at that point? Exactly, he was a like nobody, a, a failure. Minor figure who then failed in his mission to overthrow the it, Romans. And exactly, he was a, he was a he was a joke. There was a um, an early graffito uh, that's found in Rome. I forget what it's called, but it's it's basically making fun of some guy, and it's a, and it's like a, someone drew a picture of Jesus on the cross with the head of a donkey, and it's like you know. Aeschylus and his God, or something like that, is Ooh. the name. And so it's very like this is extremely Early embarrassing. Early burn, man. He got burned. He got <laughs> pwned by the guy who put the graffito there. And we'll put this in the show notes. You can see a picture of it. But yeah, I mean, you are following a nobody from a backwards part of the empire, and you're saying that this person is risen from the dead and is the Lord of the universe, and that we should bow to him as opposed to Caesar. That's an audacious and a shame cringeworthy claim. So, Unless, of course, it's true. So our pitch to those out there right now is, yep, sorry. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> That's so. That's the best we can do. Like, it's, You're going to feel some shame. It's just, it is odd. It's odd to our culture, but it's odd to every culture throughout history. It's uh, always going to be odd. And there's aspects of it that are always going to be odd to you that you're going to be working out. And so... Uh, but it's only odd because it's it cuts against every culture and it's countercultural within every culture, and so anytime you sort of step outside of your you know dominant cultural norms or paradigms way of thinking and believing, that's when things get uncomfortable. It's like it's like when you go to another country, you feel weird, you feel out of place, you feel uncomfortable. Does that mean you should never go to other countries? Of course not. Right, and, and it touches on that, that innate human thing of wanting to be part of a larger crowd, yes. of course. I, I saw an experiment once or read of it of uh, putting people in a normal classroom situation, and but they're the only person who is not in on this gag, is mm -hmm. that they just put a regular arithmetic on the board and they pretend they're doing some other test, and then everybody else in the class answers, you know, two plus two is seven. And everyone assents to this. And the person in the classroom is looking around going, what, what are you talking about? What? And, and then objects. And the teacher is like, look, we don't want to hear your nonsense. I don't know what is wrong with you. <laughs> and almost universally, people eventually assent to the fact that two plus two is seven. <laughs> They're head and, hung and, in shame, right? Yeah, it's just the shame. They just cannot bear up under that. And, and that's part of it, I think, is just we just want to. There's a, the easy route. But here's here's my pitch okay. to those out there. Okay. Is that look at what culture is. I always say to, to my other Christian friends, culture is garbage. If you're believing the same thing as culture, you need to take a second look at your own self. I mean, look what it creates. It creates, you know, just the, the music and the, the movies. A lot of it is just garbage. Hey, man, so, Batman versus Superman <laughs> is not garbage. That is like high art. All right, that's what we're going to get into right now, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not to... at all. But yeah, that that uh, the sort of go along to get along. I think that uh, if yeah, only what what does Chesterton say? He says only you know only something that's living can swim against the stream. Right, and he and and I thought you were going to reach to the a fallacy doesn't cease to be a fallacy just because it becomes fashion. 
that idea that, look, we, we hold on to this, this thing, this thing, Christianity, central to our beliefs about the universe because we think it's true, not because we think we're going to gain anything from it. Right. And, and it's, you know, not a popularity contest. Of course, it's not an unpopularity contest. So, um, you know, just because you're a jerk uh, and a Christian doesn't, <laughs> doesn't right. make you right. So it's, it's holding beliefs that are true um, winsomely. Uh, and and I think with humility that that tr- a true place of Christian conviction, you know, not being ashamed of Jesus is not having a sort of a, an arrogance or a pride about oneself. It's not boasting in oneself for being right while everyone else is wrong. It's a it's boasting in Christ, the one who um, you know was humiliated, and so yeah. it's following following him on that path of suffering and of shame. I think leads us to the appropriate posture to to culture, which is yes. Uh, standing against it in a lot of ways, um, but standing against it in a in a loving way, not in a way that's just saying, "Well, uh, my my crew is right and we're weird and right. you're wrong." Right? Yay, team! It's uh, it would be a pretty small god who would just look down on humanity and go, "I like that team. I don't like the rest of them." Just, mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and just to be clear, I don't think either one of us is grouping us in a certain, um, there's a certain voices in Christianity that say that uh, Christians in America are persecuted. I, I don't think we're there yet. No, And no. We're, we're not making that claim. We're, we're not, persecution exists. It is horrible and it's a very serious topic that we'll, you know, save for another time or a different podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, but it's, yeah, it's a real, I mean, you look at uh, Christians living in areas that where ISIS uh, is in charge and horrible things are happening. Uh, Nigeria, uh, Boko Haram, like these are real instances where life and death, I mean, people are literally being killed and jailed and um, taken away from their homes and families because they're Christian. So we're not in that situation. Uh, the place of Christianity within contemporary America is a, is a contested thing. It's contested space. But uh, Christianity still has a definitely has a seat uh, at the table in the marketplace of ideas, as Mike <laughs> Nelson likes to say in mixing his <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> it's going to get more elaborate over time. I promise that, and I will bring more uh, more curly cues to bear on it. Yes, um, more twists and turns. Um, so uh, help me out here. Where are we going? <laughs> what does Jesus have to say about all of this? Well, what does Jesus have to say about? It? Well, it's more good news for the person who is saying like I. You know, I'm very intrigued by this figure of Jesus um, and by this thing called Christianity. It, it seems to have a lot to commend to it. But but the, the, the sort of social price that I have to pay of kind of identifying myself with this weird group of people, this motley family uh, called Christianity that seems to have a lot more like odd uncles and aunts than your average family does. Like, it's, so It's a motley group, I'm here to tell you. It, I've, I've been among them for many years now. It's exactly. You, you longer than, you're, you your whole life. Yeah, me my whole life. So they seem sort of more normal to me, but it's a, it is a motley crew. And so saying like, I can kind of like theoretically get on board with it, but the, the, this group of people, like, I don't know if I can associate myself with them. So I, you, you know, this reservation, Jesus basically says this, he says, um, uh, the Beatitudes, so this great teaching of his, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, he has these wonderful sets of blessed are the, and it's all these people who you would not think are actually blessed, like blessed are the poor, and blessed right. are those who weep and who mourn. And he says at the end there, he says, and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
rejoice and be glad <laughs> for great is your reward wow that yeah. is so in the face of persecution even these minor ones that we face exactly. in these times we should be we should be blessed and encouraged by that persecution with a lowercase p you know um, or or a different frame certainly from you know uppercase p persecution but jesus says wow be glad that's a good sign that you are walking in my footsteps is that you are finding yourselves uh, standing athwart culture in some very, very important ways. So uh, be encouraged that when you suffer some friction for that, uh, you're, you're doing something that is, is blessed, that, that, that would make Jesus proud, I think. And I, I would say to the, going back to something you mentioned earlier, I would say to the person sort of seeking, exploring, looking, worried about this topic, read uh, the screw tape letters where because it's mm. a short book relatively short and he talks about the early Christian experience yeah and he has a very funny thing about the uh, encouraging this demon to get him off the track of Christianity is to look at his fellow parishioners oh, yeah. at fellow the church Christians. just look at the side of that guy's face tell me can you honestly be I forget what the description is yeah. but it's very funny like these are the people that are somehow inheriting the kingdom of God yeah. this cannot be true. These dowdy people, <laughs> these frumpy people. So it's uh, C.S. Lewis, yeah, masterpiece, screw tape letters. Um, uh, you pick it up, you can get it for really cheap, but it's a brilliant exposition of saying really that that barrier, that that fear of becoming strange. Uh, I mean, there, and I think that maybe one of the ways that we can say is uh, like, you know, there's the slogan, keep Austin weird or keep Portland weird let's keep Christianity weird too. Like you just got it. You just got to embrace it, but you're going to be weird in sort of a different way. Yeah. I think we're stuck with it no matter what. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, also just take a look around other groups that you're in. You're always going to, I mean, people, humanity is, is a joke. We're Mm -hmm. weird. And Mm -hmm. that's, that is actually built into the, the whole Christian worldview is that uh, we are broken and fallen, and that is why we have these weirdos who you don't want to get stuck with, uh, you know, in the lunchroom while you're microwaving your broccoli. It's like, oh, no, that guy. Five more seconds. Five (laughs) more seconds. We're stuck with ourselves no matter what, so you might as well do it within the family of Christ where the real truth is. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. That's what I believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we'll sum up, and when we come back, we're going to take a little break. And then we're going to uh, unveil our new, our new department. I'm so excited to know what this department is. I hope you're not feeling a little let down that there's no lightning round, but please go watch Jim Cramer and you'll get your fix there. And you, and you can get the home version of Light Trees Walking. That's included in the home version of the <laughs> That's game. Right. Yeah. All right. So we'll be back in just a moment. All right. Hey everyone, this is David Berge. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to Light Trees Walking. If you love it and think this is something that someone else should hear and uh, you value important conversations about theology and philosophy and life and the culture, then you should share this on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram or on Pinterest or on Snapchat or any other Uh, any other media, and also, could you please like us and rate us on iTunes? That's actually the most important thing you can do so that the word can spread and more people can join in um, on the joy. So thanks very much, and uh, let's get back to the show. And we are back. Hope you enjoyed that break and that little message from Pastor Dave. 
it's the least you can do for us. <laughs> yes. All right. So we're just going to sum up what we've been talking about, which is the uh, uncomfortable topic of shame as a Christian in yeah. modern culture. How do you carry this thing around? How can you be a weirdo and survive <laughs> in this secular culture? And and uh, what are we we arrived at not a lot of comfort, although no. some. No, but I, I think the comfort is that uh, weird to whom and strange to whom. And, uh, and that if you perfectly sort of line up with everything, which no one does at any point in their life, but if you sort of, within the dominant culture, if you are exactly the same on every single point, like, what does that even matter anyways? And what does that say about your Christian conviction and, and what point you've come to? So at some point, you're just going to have to own up to the fact that following Jesus is going to put you at odds with, uh, with some things that are going on. Not everything, but, but a lot of things. And, but the good news is, look who you're following after. And now on a personal note, I'd give some advice to these people is I started out weird in a lot of different areas so that when I just lumped the <laughs> Christianity on top of it, everyone just went, oh, well, that's just, that's just my guy's you, just weird. Exactly. And you, you juggled. So it's like it's a, it's a short distance from that to, right, right. you know, the juggling community to the Christian community. Yeah. So just, you know, uh, it, to survive it, just pile on a couple of weird dietary habits, only eat eggs or something, you know, something like that. Yeah. And, and then uh, the Christianity thing will... It'll just be part and parcel with your your whole weirdness package. Exactly, exactly. So try try to try to diversify your weirdness package, and it'll fit in a little bit easier. Yeah. That's our make, advice. Make a nice weirdness portfolio, and uh, present it to the world with with no shame. Just so this is me. This if someone maybe wants to make a, a Pinterest board with uh, things that you could have in a weirdness portfolio, we would. Uh, we would share that in yeah. some medium where we share things. So that's a challenge to you, you the audience. We'd share it on the blog. So uh, go but, for but it. only Pinterest. Are people still on the Pinterest? I think people are still on the Pinterest. Uh, but you could sh- whatever in, form. Instagram seems to have captured Inst- the, you know what's the, big the world's imagination. Snapchat is even bigger. Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat's great. You can and swap what do you do? Faces. What do you do there? Snapchat. You like take pictures and you. So like Instagram. Like Instagram, but and they're Pinterest. temporary messages. You share them with someone, they watch them for a few seconds, and then it's gone forever. So it captures really the ephemeral nature of communication. And the appeal the of that, of being... Well, it's just, then you can like, it's like texting with pictures that disappear so no one can use them against you in the future. So it's kind of like, it's like Mission Impossible things. They yeah, self-destruct like, like and this that's message part will of the appeal. But it's fun too. I mean, like, so they have all these fun filters and things where you can swap your face with someone else. Like I did this with G.K. Chesterton the other day and, and it looked as though, it's kind of like Nicolas Cage and... And John Travolta and face off. Face off. Yeah, you can do like a face off. Face slash off. <laughs> I that know. Was the, it was it's like, one of the best, most literal movie titles. It really ever. Is. Face off. Face. I'm gonna take his face <laughs> off. And the two of them are kind of opposed to each other in a way. They're facing <laughs> off. You could almost say. So many levels. So all right, so you're encouraging people to bury their faces in their social media. And uh, ignore their scripture and uh, just become one of those self-involved millennials. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's, uh, that's our topic for today. And now we're on to our new department. And I'm not saying this is any less serious. It may be a little easier, but we'll see. This is uh, a little department we call Mysterious Mysteries. Mysterious Mysteries Mysteries from beyond the limits of human understanding 
and beyond. Okay. <laughs> so mysterious mystery. So this uh, this is a new department. Only I know about it. That's how mysterious it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually I thought of this today before the podcast. This is a mystery that has plagued me. And what I'm going to do is present it to you because I know you know something about it. And hopefully we can hash it out and, and uh, solve this mystery. And here it is. Are you ready? Yeah. So this is like the serial podcast. It is. But in a department. So I yes. like that. I also wanted to point out in the sound effects of Mysterious Mysteries, which I created <laughs> moments ago. <laughs> which sounds really good for oh, I love, that. I love GarageBand. Yeah. Uh, there were loons there. It, there was a little silent, a little sort of subtle tribute to our home, our home state our, of, our of Minnesota. Beloved home state. So you can hear that. It's a little Easter egg in the uh, Mysterious Mysteries. This is today's mystery, and hopefully you can shed some light on it. What in the world is the appeal of Boba Fett? I honestly do not understand. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, First of all, explain who and what, and then explain what the deal is. Because I heard someone today enthusing about Boba Fett, and I do not understand this. All right. Uh, this is this is like an onion. There's layers. We're going to start peeling them back. Because there's aspects of Boba Fett that I'm going to strongly defend. And I think clearly articulate his appeal. Then as I expand it, it gets less appealing to even me. But just so everyone knows, I am a large Star Wars fan. Uh, I'm tall, but I'm, I'm not particularly large. But I'm a, no. I'm a fan of the... I'm, a, I'm not literally a large uh, Star Wars fan. You're an enthusiast. I'm an enthusiast. I'm a fanboy. Uh, just to be clear, every day after seventh grade, I would come home pop a bag of popcorn and watch one of the three of the original trilogy on VHS cassette. So I have seen these movies um, probably each of them over 100 times. Oh my for goodness. Sure. Are yeah. you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, absolutely. And so Boba and when Fett, you say these movies, you are not talking about the uh, Jar Jar Binks no, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I've seen so those movies. So the first three, or can I call them the first three? No, you can't call them the first three. Four, five, and six, Mike. <laughs> oh, episodes four, on. five, and six. I refuse. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, in episodes four, five, and six, uh, Boba Fett is the bounty hunter character who is um, sent by... Uh, you know, he's sent to capture Han Solo, basically. And so he shows up first in The Empire Strikes Back. And um, the first time you see him is, uh, I think he's, I think it's with Darth Vader. Like, Darth Vader hires all these bounty hunters to go, to go and get him. To get um, who? To get, like, to get Han Solo and to, to, to find... Um, and Han Solo, he's like a Wookiee or something? No, he hangs out with the Wookiee. Han Solo's Harrison Ford. Okay. You know, he's the swashbuckling mercenary who finds himself on the side of good. And, uh, and he, and so... Han Solo uh, is, you know, they escape from the ice planet of Hoth, and Dar- and they're scattered over the universe. And so Darth Vader hires all these bounty hunters to go and find, you know, Han and Leia. But Jabba the Hutt also wants to capture Han Solo. So like, you he's- know, every syllable you say makes me like you less and less. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, just- <laughs> but Jabba the Hutt also wants to capture Han Solo because Han owes him. Han dumped some cargo that he was smuggling for Jabba when some Imperial Star Cruisers came along him and he dumped you, it. And you're so. not explaining the appeal yet. What is, <laughs> so, so what, what does he look like, first of all? He There's wears this... this, like, cool armor. And he has a jet pack. <laughs> and he can, like, has gadgets that he can use to capture people. And so he just kind of is... A, he looks like a badass. That's so he's basic. kind of the the Roy Rogers to a to a, a 
I don't even know what that means. So can oh, you? I'll pretend even... you don't know who Roy. I don't Rogers know who Roy. Is. Isn't that like he's a, a cowboy? Isn't that know, like, like a, a like a roast cowboy. beef sandwich shop in like the Pennsylvania Turnpike? Is Roy Rogers? Is yes. Kids, uh, kids dressed up as a roast beef sandwich. <laughs> no, he yes. was a, he was a movie cowboy. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, so Boba Fett's so appealing because you know uh, Han Solo's very cool. He's a very cool character. Yeah. Uh, Darth Vader is a very cool character. And in between them stands uh, stands uh, Boba Fett as this very like you know mysterious um, but clearly successful bounty hunter who is you know going to capture him. So he he, he connects all these three cool characters and is a cool character himself, and uh, just seems like someone you wouldn't want to have coming after you. So Boba Fett is extremely appealing, um, almost because of he's a man of mystery. Like, what you don't know about him is just as important as what you do know. But isn't that true of Darth Vader as well? Yeah, but you Darth... You don't know who he is. No, maybe. but Dar- Darth is such a major character that it's hard... To, you can't develop, like, a cult following around a major character like that. And so Boba Fett is, like, truly when you when you know him and you kind of, like, learn about his backstory... Uh, I knew that word backstory <laughs> would come up. But what... And I'd say, like, actually the backstory within the canon, within the... Uh, George Lucas made movies. Boba Fett shows up in a way like his dad does. I think. Yeah, a guy I believe that's true. I'm Jango sad to Fett, say. and Jango Fett is like apparently the warrior that they clone, or the bounty hunter that they clone to make like all the stormtroopers who are just clones, or the How? clone army. See, that's where when I saw that, I saw Jango Fett. I see prequels, and and I just my urge to kill starts rising because those are just so bad, and that. That story actually makes me think that Boba Fett is a lot less cool. I have a follow-up question now. Okay. How he has many... a cool ship that hides on... Sorry. He has a cool ship that hides on an asteroid. Okay. Here's my follow-up. Okay. How many people do you think just clicked unsubscribe after <laughs> listening to this? Um, probably more than clicked share with a friend. Oh, but he's got a cool God. helmet. The whole thing is he has a helmet and he has a jetpack and he can shoot this... Sorry, I keep hitting my mic. He can shoot this like like um grappling capture hook from his wrist so he's 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 so cool roy rogers had a lasso all right so he's exactly like roy rogers uh you know know. what's funny about the whole star wars thing is like it should be directly in my wheelhouse like i should love this you know i was uh, 1977 1977 i think was the first i'm in my early 50s so i'm it's everybody uh, is is in love with it and grew up with it and and worshipped and watched it over and over. It it eludes me so much. I cannot enjoy a single frame of it. And your explanation of why I should like Boba Fett made me like the whole thing even less. So I'm, so I'm a terrible evangelist for Boba Fett, but he's just whatever it is. Mike Boba Fett has got it. <laughs> And he gets oh, eaten God. by the Sarlacc pit. Oh, no. Well, he will no, be di- slowly digested over the course of a thousand Sarlacc. years. Oh, wow. Well, okay. So that uh, that mystery shall remain <laughs> still a, a mystery. Mis- still a mysterious mystery, except to those who are in the know. Uh, it's foolishness to people like Mike, but it is the power of George Lucas to, uh, okay. That doesn't really that, parallel uh, Christian faith. Sorry. Both blasphemous and, <laughs> and wrong, untrue. I know. Well, there you have it. We attempted to solve one of the uh, mysterious mysteries out there in the universe. We did not do it. Hopefully we got a little clarity on our first question about the idea of 
the feeling of shame of being a Christian yes. in uh, the modern world. Hopefully we uh, got to that a little bit. Don't and cover your shame. No, and we will be back again with a new episode soon where we take on some of these big issues. And Dave will once again attempt to solve another of life's mysteries. I will happily do so. Uh, all right, elevator pitch on Boba Fett. You have Here I am again. I've got a billion dollars. <laughs> Young man, convince me of the worth of Boba Fett. You have exactly 11 seconds. He's like the Roy Rogers of Star Wars. I'm sold. Here's $5 billion. <laughs> Thank you. And folks, thanks for joining us, and we will be back again on Like Trees Walking. I'm Mike Nelson. I'm Dave Berge. So long until next time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Gun on rubber phone.